0: I love the fact that you asked your husband to create an ECR to to test it. I'm going to attack someone, but I'm going to attack someone legally. So it should be your husband, I guess. Technically, (laughs) he can't complain against you. But that's also important to kind of understand for people who are listening in that the potential impact of the vulnerability is beyond your own account. If you use AWS ECS and AWS ECR as a service, then this episode is for you, especially if you have your crown jewels or important applications running on those services. In this episode, I had Gafneet Amiga, who's a VP of security research at Lightspin, come and talk about the recent bundle she discovered in AWS ECR, which is the Elastic Container Registry. She was able to identify undocumented APIs, which allowed her to delete any ECR container you heard me right, the person who's listening in or watching this on the other end, you could delete the containers that I had as public in my own AWS account. So that's what's scary this was. Fortunately, the response from AWS was amazing. From the time it was disclosed and responsibly disclosed to AWS, within 24 hours, the fix was in production and we had the solution already available for everyone. So it is not a problem right now. In this episode, we spoke about how she discovered the ECR vulnerability and maybe lessons you can learn to do yourself. What are some of the common attack paths that people should look out for or misconfiguration people should look out for in the AWS ECS service? Also, if you are someone who's using ECS and EKS, what are some of the standards you should be looking out for as potential attack paths for yourself? Let me give you a hint. IAM is still the most important thing in the world for AWS. So that was something that definitely was a highlight. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Cloud Security Podcast in our Breaking the AWS Cloud Month. And if you know someone who's trying to get into the cloud security research space or just wants to know how to break into an AWS ECS service, definitely share the episode with them. I really appreciate when you share your episode with your peers on LinkedIn, on other social medias. If you're watching or listening to us for the second or third time, I would definitely recommend following us on our social media on LinkedIn, YouTube for videos. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts and other podcast platforms for our audio version. And if you're feeling generous enough as well, definitely leave us a review or rating on Spotify and iTunes. It really helps us find interesting guests that we can bring to you to talk about cloud security. So you can do your job of a cloud security person better or find an interesting angle to get that next cloud security job. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I will see you in the next episode. Take care, peace. When you're developing an app, security might be treated as an afterthought. With functionality requirements and tight deadlines, it's easy to accidentally write vulnerable code or use a vulnerable dependency. But Sneak can help you secure your code in real time, so you don't need to slow down to build securely. Develop fast, stay secure. Good developer. Sneak. Hey, Gafneet, how are you?
1: Hey, hey, yes, yes. shish. Thank you for having me.
0: No problem. Thanks for coming in. Good time to start. We're talking about AWS ECS as well, but before we go into it, if you could briefly introduce yourself and how did you get into the whole uh, cloud security space?
1: Sure. Well, so my initial background is actually from networking. And then I moved to application security because after observing what people are doing and how they attack, I thought like, well, I want to do it. And while I was doing a lot of application security research and, and design reviews and pen tests, it was really a mix of work. I realized how much I tend to get things that are related to cloud. Like eventually, you found the vulnerability, you found an SSRF, an RCE, and you got into a cloud workload. And so, well, what's next? What is this cloud? Everyone is using cloud. And the right before COVID, I started to take it as a project to get deep into the cloud because before that, all I knew is more about uh, EC or EC2 and S3, but not like to know deep about the cloud and what are the main and the deep architectures of the services. So during COVID, I started with IAM. I really love authentication and authorization services. And I think that IAM is a really great one and complex one. So it was a hard start to get all that as a start. But I think that once you know IAM, it's really, you get to understand the AWS mindset and how they think because all the services almost, yeah, like, most of them are using and then I start to to learn one by one of course I didn't finish even today even not half (laughs) of them but yeah but really fell in love with cloud security like it's an endless zone it's I feel it it's like to still keep doing the application mindset but in a huge scale so it's fun Perfect.
0: yeah and I think it's you kind of spoke about this before the live stream started as well. A few people coming online more, but I just, we were talking about how cloud security is a very small community in itself and people don't realize that cloud is kind of like the edge and cloud security is the edge of the edge. And I think I thought it was really interesting that a lot of us are in this field. It feels like a lot of us are in this field and there's a yeah. lot to learn with 300 plus services from AWS, Azure, Google Cloud and keep increasing. So it's pretty awesome. And I think I'm really... Glad that we're doing a whole month on breaking the AWS cloud as well. Because we're talking about ECS and ECR, because I'm assuming some people would not even know what ECS is. So maybe that could be a great place to start. What is ECS and what is ECR?
1: Yes, sure. So both of them are real, like, founded services in, in AWS. So ECS is a managed service in AWS that helps you to manage containers at scale. It's a container orchestration service where you can declare what do you want to run, what is the scale, you can specify the images, the CPU that you... It's similar to, if you're familiar with Kubernetes, so it feels the same, but it's still different. Mm-hmm. And you can attach the role that you wish to, to provide to those containers that are going to run. And if, for example, if you want your tasks to communicate with other services in AWS, so this is how you do it. You provide them the credentials by attaching an IAM role. Yeah. And so this is an ECS and ECR is a service in AWS that allows you to have your own registry. You can say the public ECR is somehow similar to the Docker hub. So you have your own registry, you can have, you have a private and a public registry and there you can create your own repos to store there, your images where you can freely pull and push them. Of course that you can enforce authentication and authorization, but the public registry is a, exactly for the case where you don't want, where you want to to provide a public image, where everyone wants to, let's say, for example, that you have an agent that you wish everyone to freely use, so you can push it to to a public repository, and anyone, even without having an AWS credentials or an account, can pull the image and use it.
0: Right, and that's kind of where I think the conversation (laughs) becomes even more interesting with ECR specifically. So if I got that right, it's basically... For people who are using containers, the registry is where you store your operating system for the container or container OS. And ECS is that container registry where all the operating system is. And ECS is the service which talks to ECR to build your application or container application in a managed AWS Did I summarize that correctly?
1: Well, so you can put more things that are not just an OS in the ECR. You can create the applications themselves that when you run, the moment you run, the application is actually running. So you can specify when you declare what is the spec for the task in ECS, you can put the address for an image that's which is stored in ECR. And then the moment the container is up, the used image for running the container will be the image that is stored in the ECR, if that makes sense.
0: Kind of does. And I think I've got a question, which I was going to ask, but someone has already asked. We need to ask a question. Is ECS and EKS both Kubernetes orchestration engine?
1: Yeah, they both, they are container orchestration. That's exactly what, what they are
0: awesome yeah. there you go well you've answered the question as well thanks for, thanks for that question Monique. okay so now since you've defined ecr and ecs and ecr seems to be a lot more than a registry to what you said it could be an application as well how do normally people use it like i think sounds like there's a lot of things in there what are some of the common use cases that you've heard of or seen people use ecs and ecr combination for?
1: well so ecr is the place where you host your images and uh, mm-hmm. so It basically can be for for anything. The moment you have the image that you want to use, this can be a private image. So for example, today, I think that most of the companies are building their application as an images and store them in their registries. And then the moment pipeline is running and you want to deploy your application, So the images are being pulled from those registries. So for for sensitive parts, of course, of the application, the one that is the the secret of the company, they will not be public. They will stay in a private and authenticated registries, but for things that you wish to use. So then you can put it in a public registry. Mm -hmm. I know that you can use ECR the same way you are using Docker Hub to, to ship your images and to enable everyone to use them. But that's for the public.
0: Right. And to your point, public would just mean anyone should be able to use it. It's similar to a GitHub, I guess, if for Black or better word. If it was a GitHub for containers rather than, I guess, op- operating systems.
1: Yeah, I think that the more similar one is the Docker Hub. Same way you can search for images in Docker Hub and you even have already the pool command that you can run Docker pool and to pull the image directly from Docker Hub. The same way you can do with public ECR repos.
0: So, okay, this is probably a good time for me to introduce the ECR vulnerability that you had discovered. Could you walk us through what was it first and then we can go into the thinking process?
1: Sure. So I started to dig in ECR, uh, specifically in the ECR uh, gallery, public gallery, Mm -hmm. because I wanted to have another enrichment for a light spin recon tool, which is our attack surface discovery tool. And then I I saw that all public repositories are being published in the uh, ECR public gallery. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to understand, well, how can I, like, to correlate between the name of the search domain and the repositories that this domain might have in the public gallery. Mm -hmm. And then I saw, and of course, everything that I do in in my life is going through BIRP. So then I saw in the request the suffix of the internal and I thought to myself, well, so if it's internal, why can I see it? So I started to search for the for the action it's, it, itself in the search, and then I got into I found a, a JavaScript file that contained right. the searched action, but also lots of other actions that had the same suffix, the internal suffix of, were actions related to ECR public. But mm-hmm. they had a really big similarity to the actions in also for some of them had actions from the ECR private one. And then I, I, even I got like, well, what, what is it? Is it is it public? Is it private? Is it uh, just for the gallery? Uh, so I, I started to create uh, the tables, exa- the same sketches that you see and the tables that you see in the posts. This is exactly what I do during the research itself to organize the data that I see. Of course, that I beautify it a little bit after that because the original one is a mess. But yeah, but I, I started to compare the actions and found well, if that's the actions that I can trigger, some of them I didn't recognize at all. And they were like put images, delete images. And I thought, what will happen if I will trigger them? So, in order to trigger them, this was the difficult part because you need to understand what is going to be the structure of the request. And it's a black box because it's an undocumented action and we need to figure out how can we do it. So I started to explore the service from anywhere that I can do, like to pull the images using the Docker CLI and to see what are the actions that are being used, to map each action to its trigger, what causes the trigger, Mm -hmm. Uh, and to start imagine what maybe happens in the backend and to find things that maybe... uh, gives you indications for well maybe you're right or maybe you're wrong mm-hmm. and after i understood what is the structure from the javascript it's just a, a lot of a guesswork but you need to do smart guess because some of them are uh, were good
0: yeah. so I,
1: I started to send the request of course it's signed request in aws so you need to do it using a script
0: mm-hmm. uh, and
1: so i started to send a request, hoping that one of them will delete the image tag finally this was the one i i tested And yeah, and with the moment they deleted the image. I I told my husband, "You have to create one in your account because I want to attack you." (laughs) Yeah, so yeah, it was really a a lot of like tailor-made work.
0: Yeah, yeah. But
1: uh, yeah, but that was the the finding. So the impact of the finding, if I wasn't clear during the explanation, is that it's activating those undocumented APIs, an attacker could put any image he wishes in any one of the public ECR registries, to update ones, to delete images from any public ECR registry. It's a really high or critical severity issue because you know, imagine existing pipelines that using uh, images from ECR and they will keep pull, to pull the image and use it as they usually and always do and I hope that companies use the validations and inspecting the content of the images to be sure it's not malicious but an attacker could infect images, even in accounts that are verified by AWS, and to actually spread to a lot of workloads. It doesn't matter if it's local cloud environments, Kubernetes environments, almost everywhere.
0: Awesome. I love the fact that you asked your husband to create an ECR to to test it. I'm going to attack someone, but I'm going to attack someone legally. So it should be your husband, I guess. Technically, he can't complain against you. but, But that's also important to kind of understand for people who are listening in that, the potential impact of the vulnerability is beyond your own account. You know how people have that assumption that, oh, account is an AWS account is my highest level of segregation. And Gafin's AWS account, I can't access, she can't access my AWS account until I actually tell it. But now we are entering a space where we are allowing access to public resources. And it basically by, Finding out those undocumented APIs, you were able to identify, hey, I can put and delete containers if I want you in an ECR. And to your point, put containers who potentially infect an existing container as well. And talking about infecting containers and what that would look like, I think Vinith had a question around, does AWS has vulnerability scanning for container images in ECR?
1: Yeah, so you can scan uh, images and have the kind of images that you put there and have the results from AWS.
0: Yeah, I think AWS Inspector, I think, is the name of the service, right? I think
1: I don't know if it's Inspector, but I know that directly in the panel of ECR you have the option to scan it. Oh but perfect. I don't I don't know what is the I know that they have two types of scans. They have yeah. the, an easy scan and a heavy scan, two types.
0: Yeah. I think they recently announced it. So it, well, I guess it, it is definitely possible in inspector to use that as well. Because earlier inspector could only do EC2 instances, now it can do Lambda functions as well as ECR registries.
1: I believe it can. I just don't know if the one in the, e- oh, in the, the one in the ECR itself. is the same one. Yeah. Oh but,
0: uh... yes, yeah. I don't know if they use that or something else. Maybe. Yeah. Well, we need. You can let us know if you find that out, man. That'll be awesome. And I think uh, that's a point from Jimmy as well. The best way to imagine ECS and EKS is to not. Think of it an underlying technology is more what you want to manage from that service as well i think i agree with that as well awesome i think i've got one more comment coming in oh yeah scan when also I've got jimmy again scan when pushed to ecr plus inspector all right okay so when it's pushed out and Ruben, thank you so much for sharing the documentation as well for ecr ms scanning awesome there you go there's a lot of resources being shared as well so we walked through the process so we put through the thinking process we understand how bad this was as well the undocumented API is something that came up in our last conversation last week with Nick as well. What was your thinking? Like when people say undocumented API, what are we really talking about? Because a lot of people just think, well, I normally go to the API documentation page. That's not going to tell me what AWS API is. It's just going to tell me what I can use. So what's your thinking normally when I, when you're trying to find out undocumented APIs?
1: I personally am not trying to find undocumented APIs, but you encounter one. So
0: ah, right. um,
1: like... When I, an API, when you see an API that works in the same way with all the other actions that you have to specify the target action and you need to, to sign the request and you all like it, it behaves the same way, but you cannot find any explanation for that action. It's not documented in the documentation. So it means that if it has a body, you don't know what are the body parameters, what it it expects to get. What the action actually do in the backend, it's not clear. So I treat those ones as an undocumented API. And then you need to do a guesswork and to start thinking, well, what does it expect to get in order to be activated? Yeah.
0: Right. you know how you mentioned... But as you were kind of discovering the process and you identified that put and delete actions were available Mm -hmm. and using JavaScript function as well. So I'm assuming it was on the console and the JavaScript that you were using was just making API calls. And because these are standard HTTP verbs, which is your put, post. Like, so I think, is that also part of the thinking where, oh, okay, the based on the function that I'm trying to do, what are other standards? Because it's not that AWS has created their own standard. They're still using like, If they're using Kubernetes, that's an open source thing as well. If there's a vulnerability in Kubernetes, potentially it could creep into AWS as well. Is it potentially in containers or Docker specifically, it could creep into this as well. Is is that, I guess, also a great way to think about how to research? Because the reason I'm asking this question is also to understand how can other people start this journey as well? Like the same thing that you're doing at the moment, you're obviously inspiring a lot of people when you disclose vulnerabilities i always find it interesting for people to like i think like for example what are some of your common attack techniques that you love in the aws space
1: well so but first because you said something really really important is the behavior of the console themselves are of course that the console is using eventually the aws api they have one api that they expose they're using it the same way even from the console so If you will inspect the behavior of the console, for example, like sending the network through BERP, you can see the actions that are being used. And in some services, you can see, you can find out new actions that you weren't aware of before, and you can start playing with it. So this is a really nice way to... To compare the services, to open the API and to, in the documentation API, and to see what are the actions, and then to see how they are being activated, also through the console. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is yeah, this is a, a, a nice thing to do. Having the console, they might have more things because it's eventually it's a different application and the way for the authentication. So they have cookies, but console might be a little in some services different from the the options that you have using the CLI. Interesting. So, uh, yeah. That's, that's one thing, but the attack techniques that, that I like. So, and what I recommend to start with, I really like to explore services, but in a wide way to Mm -hmm. before even thinking how would I attack it first to really understand it, but from all angles. So the ECR for example, to use it from uh, any way that AWS allows me using the Docker, using the console, using the gallery, like to inspect it from all ways to see all the actions and then to build like a map of what are the possible entry points, how things are working with each other. And then to think, well, where I'm going to dig in and to start adding payloads. Uh, But I think that's for beginners. And this is something that also Nick said, not only for beginners, but in general, uh, having a look on less popular services and new services it's a really good way to to start exploring in AWS because I, I think that the popular ones are a lot of researchers already looked. But of course, if you have some passion for a specific service, so then and, and you can make it even better. So it's welcome.
0: Interesting. Are there any not so common services that you know of off the top of your mind where people can look at? What's the uh, that comes to your mind?
1: Uh, I actually, the one that I want to explore is, is the API Gateway. I always get to the API Gateway and then stop and then start. So <laughs> this is the one that I have to, at some point, but less common ones. So maybe things that also involve applications like DeFi and you have Elastic Beanstalk and all those are, they're not that not popular, but I think that they can be an interesting places to, to look at.
0: Actually, that's an interesting one because Elastic Beanstalk is an interesting service because a lot of people were using Elastic Beanstalk quite heavily for a long time and there was no ECS, there was no EKS. But now EKS and ECS are popular and people have kind of forgotten all the workload that's already running on Elastic Beanstalk. And I don't know how many people are upgrading the Elastic Beanstalk as well. So that would be really interesting if people identify applications that are potentially running an older version of Elastic Beanstalks as well. So I kind of like the Elastic Beanstalk example. So maybe so that we can kind of put like a blue team hat as well. So we've been talking about attacking for some time now so that we don't scare people away. What can people do as a check on their side? Are there like benchmarks or something that you recommend people normally should look at in their AWS accounts? Or even if it's not from a research perspective, like a lot of people listening in would be responsible for protecting their AWS accounts. There are things that you normally recommend people should use as a benchmark to hey i should at least do these things it doesn't have to be an exhaustive list even if you have top five things that come to you Mm -hmm. that would be awesome to share with people hey check these top five things before you put any application into an aws account
1: yeah sure i think the first thing is to know your environment i know it Mm -hmm. sounds obvious but environments tend to be really really large and it's hard to be aware of everything so to know your environment, to know what is the expected behavior and how things should work. That's a really good place to, to start. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then to take care for neglected assets and a good hygiene. So if you manage groups and things like that, make sure that you don't forgetting about them and just keeping them on the side. Because for an attacker, to take advantage for neglected assets uh, things it's way easier because no one will notice and they might be left unpatched in some situations and another thing to take care of is really the all the identity part and this is something that we really put a lot of focus also because eventually you can see in reports that this is the most common way for an attacker to get into your environment for the last couple of years already. Mm. So having to enforcing like least access privilege model and to make sure that each one can do only the things that he needs to do, uh, that would really improve the security of the environment. Because, you know, even if an attacker found the way to breach into your environment, it really prevents him from moving laterally inside the environment and taking over the entire account. That's a different scale of, of an attack.
0: Yeah. Oh, thank you for sharing that. That's pretty awesome as well. I, was, I thought you might have the sixth one there as uh, make sure your husband has an AWS account. Yeah, yeah. I
1: will. <laughs> That's important. That's important.
0: Yeah. Hus- make your husband, or wife or partner have an AWS account. It's probably the most important.
1: For testing. Thing. Ask, them, ask more... them to attack you. <laughs> away.
0: Definitely for testing purposes only. So, okay. I think that thanks for sharing the top five what's your focus of cloud security research for 2023 anything top of mind for you? well
1: so these are the directions that i hope to to get into first maybe not to to be focused only on aws because i have some unexplained always getting into the aws services investigations but to explore more in the about like networking services proxying behavior related to services Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this is things that I wish to do this year. Yeah, that's, that, that's the plan.
0: <laughs> awesome. And for people who are probably tuning in, wanting to learn more about cloud security research as well, I think the best way to explain it is how common is it for people to get attacked by like a really sophisticated vulnerability? You know, I think what you've discovered with ECR, that's been resolved, and gets resolved with everyone and you got the credit from AWS for that as well. Is it quite common because a lot of people ask the question of hey i don't know if aws or i can trust aws is it quite common for aws vulnerabilities to be discovered or it's like i think in your experience of working in the cloud security space yes it gets discovered but it's still far and few that it's not that we are finding vulnerabilities every month it's just like oh one today and i don't know one was six months ago or one year ago but they get all get resolved So should people not trust AWS, I guess? That's another question that people might ask.
1: Of course, the answer is people should trust AWS. And there is a lot of good more than bad in having your environment managed. And I can tell that the time to fix in production this time was amazing. It was in less than 24 hours. It's really, really I, I, I personally didn't experience such a, a quick from the moment I submitted to the moment it was in production. It was really amazing work by the AWS security outreach team and also the, the ECR team that fixed the issue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the moment your environment is managed, so you have automatically all the patches for even known CVEs and issues that they're doing most of the work. But still, you need to keep, you know, the shared responsibility model that we all have. You have the areas where you need to take care of the security of your applications and to scan your images and to make sure that your pipeline is secure. That's the things that we need to do. I don't know how common is that vulnerabilities are being discovered in AWS because I believe that there are some that we are not aware of. But I hope that more researchers that we will have in the cloud We are increasing the chances to find and to fix it before it's being used for bad intentions.
0: And because it's kind of like the tail end of the interview for me to ask this question as well, what are some of the common misconfigurations in ECS or even ECR for that matter that people should be aware of?
1: So in ECS, it comes back to, in my opinion, to identity. The role that you attach to the ECS task. You need to make sure that it has the minimal permissions that it needs and to do the task and not more than that, not to provide a full access to some service. So for example, if you want to use a resource in S3, so to specify the specific object or at least the bucket, but not... S3 full access permissions. That's the the best thing I I would recommend to do. And also the people that joined also said to scan the images. It's a really good practice, but also to enforce authentication for the private ECR to make sure who can do what. There is a difference between being able to push images and to pull images to make sure that you're aware of who can do what with your services.
0: No, that's good advice. Last question. What resources you recommend people someone who's listening in get super inspired oh my god i want to be like Guffney, and i want to be a cloud secure researcher what do you recommend where they start are there any free labs or things that you've used in the past or you recommend to people that can be useful for them to become cloud security researchers themselves
1: i really recommend to start with knowing very good i am and this is a very core service to be sure that you know all the features that he had the evaluation logic because it's going to be used in so many other services and after that i personally didn't use labs but i i create my own labs i I choose a service getting to the documentation and doing the get started like like i was a developer that wants to use this service yeah so this is what i do i first coming with that mindset and following the steps reading in the documentation what did you do sometimes you have an architecture designs and so you can get to know more and more Mm -hmm. and after after doing that then i start to think well so of course all, when simulating all the things, I transfer it through Burp to see how, what is the APIs that are being invoked. But then to find the locations where, where things might get wrong and to start focusing on th- those areas. Mm-hmm. And I can say that start, it can be hard. But the more and more services you explore, it's getting better. Because AWS themselves are using... AWS services to build their, their environment and the backend. So like, for example, in the ECL, the fact that they're using AWS Cognito identity pool really helps me because I know identity pool. I know how it works. I know what might get wrong in the backend. So it it, Uh, it helps.
0: Right. Well, that's pretty awesome. And thank you for sharing that as well. So definitely making your own lab is a great way to at least start preparing for it as well. So that's kind of like the end of the technical questions. I do have three fun questions, so we will get to know you a bit more as well. Not at all technical, so I'll quickly go through them. Just three questions: What do you spend most time on when you're not doing cloud security? Research?
1: Wow! Currently, learning. <laughs> have your husband's like
0: for... AWS account. <laughs>
1: no, no. <laughs> learning for uh, my master's degree. All yeah. right. So that's the what I'm doing when I'm not researching cloud services.
0: Wow! Well, hope, good luck with your master's degree as well. Thank you. Uh, thank next you. Next question: What is something that you're proud of, but is not on your social?
1: That is not on my social media. Uh, wow, it's not on my social media, but in, in some way. But I'm really proud of of the team that I managed to build here in, in Lightspin. I think it's I'm really proud of them. It's really keeps my keeps me like warm to see how they are how they are getting into it. Because as you said, finding people that are already cloud experts, it's almost impossible. Yeah, uh, so like to see how, where they started and where they are today it's amazing and I, this is really something that i'm really proud of
0: well you can definitely rewind this interview for them and <laughs> the next team meeting for them as well three people i told you about the <laughs> final question what's your favorite cuisine or restaurant that you can share
1: in israel there is a restaurant called the coffee bar i really mm-hmm. like this
0: one it's a restaurant with a name like coffee bar not yeah. coffee no. <laughs> okay. Okay. I will definitely <laughs> recommend checking that out when you come in next time to Tel Aviv. I guess I'll definitely check that out. But that's pretty much what we had time for. Where can people find you on social media if they want to follow up or get in touch with you about cloud security research?
1: So both on and on.
0: Oh, sweet. And I'll leave the link for both in there as well. Thank you so much for joining us, and I will see you in the next episode. We're talking about continuing the breaking the AWS month. But for now, thank you, colleagues, and thank you everyone for joining. We'll see you in the next episode. See ya. Peace.
1: Thank you.